My next guest has a fascinating life story, having created a swathe of businesses from scratch, going through good times and bad, chasing his dream. His huge resourcefulness and ability to create revenue-generating businesses seemingly from nowhere led him on a journey which eventually brought him into contact with some of the world's leading business people, whom he studied and persuaded to share their secrets and insights, which he recorded in audio format and now shares with the world in his mission to help others live their dreams. It's a great pleasure to welcome founder of hardtofindseminars.com, Michael Senoff. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. It's great to have you, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to, to finding out about your, your life in particular at this stage, Michael. I mean, you've got a, a fascinating life story. Maybe you can just give us a bit of a snapshot and talk us through uh, uh, some of the businesses you've set up and, uh, and some of the influences that you've had on, on your life. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a triplet. Uh, I've, I have a triplet brother and sister, so we're not, we're not uh, identical. We're fraternal. And I, I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood in Atlanta, Georgia. My dad uh, owned a transmission shop called Atlas Transmission. And I remember as a kid, you know, he would take the boys into in work with them on Saturdays. And he also was in the clothing business. We call it the schmata business. So um, I was kind of exposed to business pretty young because he would have the there would be trade shows at the Atlanta Merchandise Mart and we would go down there and I remember loving being at these trade shows and uh, kind of seeing all the all the vendors uh, sell their their clothing wear and I had always been somewhat entrepreneurial. I mean, I've got a bio on my site, and but I, I can always remember doing um, selling uh, greeting cards door to door. Um, I used to sell candy at, at school to make a little extra money. I was in grade school. I remember I used to make and sell cinnamon toothpicks. That's where you go get cinnamon oil and you buy toothpicks and you soak the toothpicks in the cinnamon oil and you, you package them up. Maybe you know three to package and you can sell them for a quarter and you know I was always fascinated about that so you know people say that you're some people are born entrepreneurial that may be true I, I just enjoyed um, I enjoyed making money um, and but maybe more a, a bigger motivation is I didn't like the work um, for others or I didn't I guess some of the jobs I had were so painful and so terrible that I just said to myself no way am I ever going to do this again and you know all through uh, high school I was a busboy I was a waiter um, I, I was a cook in restaurants um, and I, I was like a, uh, a a gym boy at a a, a racquetball center called Court South where I did some pretty pretty nasty jobs like cleaning out the bathroom and and uh, putting these huge carpets in these racquetball courts and if you've ever been to a racquetball court the doors are real small and you got to you got to pull this huge carpet because they would have the exercise classes in there just some pretty terrible jobs and for not much uh, money and so I think a bigger motivation was that I needed to make more money for the things I wanted and working for someone else was not going to be a uh, a good route in doing that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean your your dad was quite an influence in some ways, wasn't he, uh, Michael? He uh, I remember the story. He he used to drive around in uh, an orange Winnebago and. Uh, <laughs> 
And that was, a, as far as I can gather, quite an inspiration for you because uh, you kind of wanted a bit, a bit more than that in a way. He did. You know, he, like I said, he was in the clothing business, and, you know, he had four kids to feed, four young kids to feed. And he tells me now, he would tell me, he'd say, Michael, I, he would have to go out on the road and call on retail clothing shops to sell his line of clothes. So he was traveling all through the South, through Atlanta and Alabama and, and Tennessee, the whole southern area of the United States. And he would go out in this Winnebago, which was a, a huge motor home, and he'd have his entire clothing line in there. And he would tell me today that, Michael, I would go out on the road, and some days I just didn't want to come back because it was hard work. That was knocking on uh, knocking on doors. I'll say doors are um, retail clothing stores. And, and he had to support four kids, and it was really tough for him. And he was away a lot. You know, during the week he was away working, and he'd maybe come back on the weekends. But, you know, I remember that, and I said, I said to myself, no way do I want to do that for a living. And and I'm always, I was always looking for a better way. So I was open to uh, open to different opportunities. And I, I think that's a really important lesson for any of the students is you've got to be open to look at other stuff and maybe at least consider the possibility of other ways to make a living or other ways to get a career. So that definitely was an influence. And do you think all the, all the different jobs and things you did, uh, Michael, all, all your business activities, do you think that while you were going through that, that journey, you were kind of picking bits out and, and taking the, the good constituent parts and saying, one day I'm going to have a business where, I don't know, I've got the ideal business ingredients all packed into one. Yeah, absolutely. Every every experience, uh, every job taught me something. It taught me what I didn't want to do and what I did want to do. And there was one, it was in, in college, I had started a tie-dye t-shirt manufacturing business. When, uh, my first year at the University of Alabama, um, you know, I was a ZBT, which is a, a Jewish fraternity in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And a, a lot of the guys in my fraternity, they came from a lot of money. And, you know, they they were driving their nice cars, and, and Daddy was paying for college, and Daddy was uh, paying, you know, Daddy was paying for, uh, you know, everything. And and I I paid through I paid for my college through work study programs and through government grants, and my dad, and my family did pay for my fraternity uh, membership, but I paid for my school, and I had to work during school. And um, I remember I had a, a work study job. That's where you're you're working at school. To to pay off some of your loans that the uh, government grants you. And I, and I think I was earning $3.35 an hour, which was fine. But I started making tie-dye T-shirts and then selling them in the student union building. And eventually that small business became a retail store on campus. And although I had my own business, I learned a lot of lessons over those few years having that business. It was a very labor-intensive business. Um, you had a lot of inventory. Uh, you had to get financing from your bank. You had to have, um, you know, you paid a lot of money for your accountant. I had multiple employees, payroll, bookkeeper, all those things. And by the time you add everything up, there's really not much left over. And plus, in a retail store, you're almost like a sitting duck. You're, you're passive. You have to wait for 
for people to come to you, or you've got to produce um, advertising or promotions to get them to come to your store. And I didn't like that. Um, it, it was a great experience, but some of those experiences with a retail manufacturing business um, dealing with uh, – I was also wholesaling and selling to large department stores. I learned a lot in that business, and I knew that was something I didn't want to be a part of for my next venture. And that's when I slowly got into uh, the Internet marketing. So what were some of these business ingredients then, uh, Michael? What what did you add into what you do today in order to, to kind of live a, a lifestyle that you want, as well as earning good money and uh, doing work that you enjoy doing? What are, what are some of the things that were important to you? Some of the things that are important to me is probably what's important to any of your listeners, and that's uh, freedom, and that's personal freedom, uh, time freedom, the freedom of choice, the freedom of doing something you you really love. And it, it didn't come easy. Even even after my uh, tie dye t shirt manufacturing business, um, a friend a friend of mine and I we decided, hey, we're coming to California. We were going to chase that that California dream. You know, the California dream you see uh, on TV or the Beach Boys, I would say the Beach Boys music probably influenced me. And when I first moved out here, I lived right on the beach for six months. A friend, a friend of mine and I shared a uh, shared a, a little apartment overlooking the ocean. So I had to do that. I had to see what California was all about. You know, I had these these nice roller skates, and I'd roller skate on the boardwalk. And, and so, so I had to get that out of my system. A, a lot of people... People come to California for that, you know, to see what that California dream is about. And but when I came out here, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I had I had closed up my tie dye T-shirt uh, business, and I had a lot of inventory that I brought out here, which I kind of lived on, and I lived on some of the money. Um, that I had from my retail store, and then I started kind of delving into multi-level marketing, which a lot of people fall into when they don't really know what to do, and um, that was that was actually, you know, that was really a good experience. Is I didn't yeah, tell, I, tell us about that, Michael. I'm interested. Okay, let me tell you MLM the, the MLM experience. It actually, after I graduated college, my I have a my triplet brother was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to go to California, and I moved to Nashville for the, for a year, and I had some money in the bank, and I, I didn't have to work, and I could still sell the remaining inventory for my tie dye T shirt business, and I remember getting a video in the mail. And it was a video of a guy named Mark Yarnell. And Mark Yarnell was a top distributor for a multi-level marketing company called NewSkin. And I remember sitting there watching that video, and he had the sailboats in the background. And he was in San Diego, California. That was a big influence when I saw that. And he was making $20,000 a month. And so going after that dream, I said, I want to do that. I want to, I want to get into multi-level. If this guy can do it, I can do it. He's making $20,000 a month. He's living on the beach. You, you can see it right there in the video. You see the sailboats going by. And you see the, the bay in the background. It's gorgeous. In Nashville, I think at that time it was winter. It was freezing. I had to pour hot water over my uh, you know over my radiator to get the car to start you know um, so that was part of the dream um, but multi-level when I got into it multi-level marketing had a lot of great training and there were a lot of great uh, trainers in the MLM business that could kind of get your mind right now 
you know, as far as making money in the business, I never did that. But the training was really good. It was inspirational. So that in itself was was a big lesson. MLM didn't work out for me. And I did come out here doing MLM, multi-level marketing, um, and it just wasn't working. And basically I had burned through all my money. Um, I barely had enough. I, I Actually, I went through all my money. Uh, the partner that I moved out here with, we had a, uh, we, we had a falling out. Um, I had this brown Honda Civic that uh, no, it was a white a white Honda Civic that the um, I think the clutch went out and it was four hundred dollars to fix the clutch and I didn't have any money. I was in this one bedroom apartment and I had to I had I put my an ad in the paper to sell my car and I think I sold it for twenty eight hundred dollars and this was all the money I had and I walked right up the street and there was a, like a used car uh, place and I financed a, a brown Honda Civic for six months. And I think I put $600 down, and then I could make payments for the remaining months. And I just said to myself, all I need is I just need a year. I just need a year, um, this car to last me a year so I can get back on my feet. And I needed something to sell. I needed something to sell, something to hustle. And that's when I got into the pen business. Which, which I started manufacturing a pen that detected counterfeit money. I found someone who was already making one, and I figured out uh, I figured out how to make them and what it was, and then I started selling uh, pens, and it was pretty successful. So I got into the pen business for a number of years after that, um, which was uh, fantastic. I was selling pens right out of my one-bedroom apartment. Sometimes I was selling um, three thousand dollars a day. I had an assistant in the apartment. I was bringing in labor into the apartment. I mean, when I think about this, it cracks me up. I mean, I was I was bringing in labor. We were we were had a manufacturing pen business in this one bedroom apartment down in Pacific Beach. I mean, I have pictures of it. It was hilarious. But that pen business really it, it put some money in my pocket and it got me on the way. Um, to my internet marketing because that's when internet marketing was starting and and ironically I was living in Pacific Beach and Pacific Beach in New York City Pacific Beach of San Diego California in New York City was the very first place in the country to test high speed cable network so I had access it was called Time Warner Roadrunner Cable and we were the very first areas in the entire country to have high speed cable and so I was really fortunate to be able to have high-speed Internet access, and it gave me the ability to start learning a little bit about the Internet and uh, online marketing and not being so frustrated with these uh, 28.8 modems. <laughs> and um, what, what was it about Internet marketing then, Michael, at that stage? I mean, did you have a, like a big idea, a big vision of what you wanted to do, or did it, did it kind of happen by accident? Did you just sort of stumble across it and think, hmm, that sounds interesting? Well, uh, after the, the pen business was going good, and as I was learning Internet marketing in my quest for information, I came across a marketer that probably everyone knows, a guy named Jay Abraham. And I don't know how I came across him, but I think maybe I found his website or I, I found someone who had some information on him. And I heard he was charging $15,000 and $20,000 to go to these these seminars that he was 
putting on. Now, I had studied sales and selling, and um, I knew how to do sales and selling, but still, when you're selling one-on-one, you're limited. When I saw marketing, marketing showed me how to do how to sell um, from one, one to many. So it, I needed I needed to take my sales skills and somehow learn how to leverage them. But in my quest for marketing knowledge, I learned about Jay Abraham. I wanted to go to one of these $20,000 seminars, but I didn't have $20,000. I was broke. But I, I somehow came across a guy who had gone to this $20,000 seminar, and I, I asked him to sit. I go, do you have a list of all the people who went to the seminar? And when Jay Abraham put on a seminar, he would put out a networking list of everyone else who went to the seminar. And this guy, fa- I asked him to fax me the names of all the people who went to the seminar. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll just send you the names of people in California. And so I got a list of the names and the phone numbers of the people who went to this $20,000 marketing seminar who were in California. And then I was already doing telephone sales. I was selling my pens right from my apartment. So then I said, okay, I'm going to telemarket and call some of these people in San Diego or in California and see if I can find one of these seminars cheap. So I picked up the phone. I called a lady right in San Diego. I think I had three or four people from San Diego who went, and I was able to, I I said, hey, did you go to that seminar from Jay Abraham? She goes, yep, I sure did. I've got all the stuff sitting right here. So when you came home from a seminar, you got the tapes, you got, uh, when he was doing CDs, you'd get the CDs, you'd get the big three-ring binders. He would load you up with so much content. You'd come home with a 50-pound box of material, and I I went over and bought all that stuff from her for $50. So I got my first $20,000 seminar for $50. And my main purpose was just to study the material, to learn marketing. It was my quest for more knowledge. Um, And so then... should I keep going? All right. So then what happened was I had heard about eBay. eBay was just the stock was skyrocketing. I had no idea what it was. And I, I learned that you could sell stuff in an auction format on eBay. And then I had, I had always wanted a digital camera. I, I had gone to a trade show and I bought a Sony Movica uh, digital camera where you could insert a floppy disk into the camera and you could take the picture and you could take the digital image from the floppy disk and put it into your computer. So I had one of these cameras. And then I wanted to sell something on eBay. That's actually how it all started. I wanted to market and sell a product on eBay, but I didn't know what to sell. And then after I had after I had studied all my J. Abraham stuff, I put an auction up on eBay for the J. Abraham Protege training seminar that I had bought for $50, and I sold it for $1,700. To, to a guy out of Australia. And then I, I would piece the, the seminar material up and then I put an auction up on uh, Amazon, Amazon's auction and I sold it for $900. And there was a huge demand for, for marketing material on eBay. 
and this started my my hard to find seminars.com business hard to find seminars meant that i was selling hard to find seminar material like j Ab- and primarily it was j abraham uh, pre-owned uh, marketing seminars that people paid fifteen and twenty thousand dollars for, and then I would break the stuff down and, and resell it on eBay and sell them for a thousand bucks, or you know, I I could. I could pay a hundred or maybe two hundred dollars for a whole um, a whole set of the stuff that people pay twenty thousand dollars for. And in the good old days, I mean, I could make a thousand, fifteen hundred, you know, sixteen hundred, sometimes more per set. And then I I ended up calling everyone who went to that protege training, buying and selling as much uh, pre-owned J. Abraham material as I could. And is that market still strong, Michael, or has uh, have things changed? Uh, things, yes, things have definitely changed. The market is not near as strong. I think I was one of the first people doing it. Um, since then, uh, Abraham, when he puts on a seminar, he makes the people sign a, uh, a licensing agreement, so they actually are forbidden to sell it. They can't resell their stuff. So the market has changed. Um, of course, with our economy, the markets, you know, over the years it slowly went down. It would go up and it would go down. There were other people who came into the marketplace um, but yes, the market for that stuff has changed and um, I, um, I, I knew it was going to change and so I I made plans to uh, make changes. As a matter of fact, the main reason I started doing all these audio interviews in my existing business was that I was limited. I, I could not go and in, in run off copies of Jay Abraham's material. What I was doing was legitimate. I was buying it from someone who was an original attendee and reselling it. I wasn't counterfeiting anything. I wasn't making duplicates. So my supply of that material was limited. And I knew it would run out, you know, eventually, because there were only so many people who went to these seminars, and there was only so many people you could get a hold of by phone, and there were only so many people who were willing to sell their stuff. So I I had to get control, and I knew this. I had to get control over my own product, and, and this this is one of the biggest lessons that I would I would tell any of your students. You've got to have control over your own product. You don't want to sell someone else's product unless there's, you know, unless you know they're totally ethical, unless you know you can make some good money. But you're always going to be better off when you are the main source for your product. And um, go ahead. What what, what product did you decide to 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 create there, Michael? You you wanted to control your own product you wanted to uh, to build a business whereby nobody else could call the shops and people like Jay Abraham couldn't just suddenly bring in licensing agreements and say uh, you know you can't resell this so what what idea did you conjure up there and, and, and what lessons did you learn from people like Jay Abraham to, to kind of build into the, the business model yeah well um, I, I what I needed to do I, I needed to first get people to come. When I first had my Jay, when I had Jay Abraham stuff, I was slowly uh, 
creating and developing some of my own products by doing audio interviews. So the main reason I started doing audio interviews on my website was to give people a reason to come to the website. It was it was a lost leader. I would do an interview with, with an, a marketing expert, and I just started putting these things up one after another, and people liked them, and it got people to the site. It got it uh, gave gave uh, me a chance to um, build some trust and rapport with the visitor to the site. It got them back to the site, and then once I had them at the site, then I could introduce what I was doing. Whether you know they knew that I was buying, and my main focus of Hard to Find Seminars at that time was buying and reselling pre-owned seminars. And at that time, it wasn't just Jay Abraham seminars because when I would when I would find um, someone who had a set of Jay Abraham seminars, it was I soon discovered that these guys not only had Jay Abraham seminars, they had Gary Halbert seminars, they had Dan Kennedy seminars, they had all the seminars that the other marketers would do joint ventures with. So I would end up finding loads of other seminars, and that's how I started slowly getting introduced to other great marketers like uh, Gary Halbert and Dan Kennedy and Bill Myers. I was introduced through the inventory that I would buy from these people when I originally went after a set of Jay Abraham seminars. But because I knew all this stuff was limited, and I couldn't duplicate it and resell it, and because I was competing with them, um, I started creating my own products. So I would, there were several ways that I would create products. I would do joint ventures with someone who had an existing product. For instance, um, there was a gentleman named Louis Arouse who had developed a, a product on joint ventures. And it was a joint venture manual, and it was pretty well, and I still sell it on my site. But what I did is I built value into that product, and just instead of just selling a, a digital manual, and we would also print it and mail it. I wanted to increase the value of it, and then so I did interviews on the subject of joint ventures with joint venture experts. So I could take a manual that would ordinarily sell for maybe $39, which some people would just call an ebook. And I could do five or six interviews with other experts on the topic of a joint venture, and I could create transcripts for those, and I could put the audio online, I could create an MP3 download, I could have HTML transcripts, I could burn CDs, and I could package it. I was packaging it just like Jay Abraham and all the other marketing stuff that I bought. That's how I knew how to do it. And... Um, so then, so but that was a 50-50 deal. So when I first started, I was I was joint venturing with people because, you know, it takes a lot of time to create a written product, and I certainly uh, I could do it, but it's very painful and very time consuming. But uh, what was really easy for me was recording and interviewing people. So slowly the site. Uh, built up with audio interviews with other marketing experts, main reason to bring people to the site to sell my pre-owned marketing material, but slowly getting away from that and creating and developing my own information products. And I have about 13 or 14 different products that I sell on the site. And all the products... Well, almost all of the products are based around the interviews that I did with experts. So if I did expert interviews on joint ventures, I could I could give those interviews away for free to get people to the site, but I could also take some of those interviews and package them and include them in a product um, to sell, whether it was on CD or digital format. So 
Yeah, so I was just going to ask Michael how you managed to get these interviews in the first place. I mean, it's it's a wonderful business model, but I mean, how do you encourage people uh, like Gary Albert and so on and so forth to be interviewed? I mean, did you have any kind of advice on uh, if, if anyone's thinking of doing anything similar? Well, the, the first interviews really weren't with these great marketing masters. Um, you know, I, I was kind of nervous to approach these guys. I, I didn't, at that time, I didn't really have the confidence to do that. A lot of my interviews were just guys like me in the trenches who wanted to learn marketing or who had made something work. Um, and it, it was a it was a progression, but you know a lot of these interviews, um, I may come across someone online where I eat where they email me or I email them and I say, hey, you want to do an interview? So I was looking to build interviews. How do you get them? You just ask. And you know, I wish I, I wish I had more confidence early on because I would have had you know bigger and better interviews. It's just recently, maybe the last year and a half, that I've been going after bigger name interviews. Um, and there's there's a lot of value in that if you go after bigger name interviews. So uh, it's you know anyone who who asks himself how do I get an interview? It's just real simple. You just ask for it. And most people are really nice, and most people would love to talk about their expertise and what they love doing. And you'd be really surprised at how many people would grant you an interview. Plus, if someone's selling or marketing something, and you ask them to do an interview, and you want to, um, and you tell them that they can give out their website, or they can talk about their product, or they can leave their phone number, that's free advertising for them. You know, you 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 asked me to do an interview for your uh, standing on the shoulders of giants, and and. I'm doing this. Um, I'm doing this for the students because I love helping other people out. But let's face it, I'm also doing this for for free advertising. I want to give all your students exposure to the resource I have at HardToFindSeminars.com. I could candy coat it, but the absolute truth is I'm doing this because this is good business. Because I know some of your listeners are going to like what I have to say, and they're going to say, "Hey, I better check out this Michael Senoff guy's website, HardToFindSeminars.com." And there's a lot of value there, and some people are going to do that, and they're going to end up being some of my customers down the road. Mm, and I think, you know, Michael, it's, it's that you're so so honest and frank about it. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about this whole idea of trust from looking at your website. You go out of your way to build trust with people by being very honest. And I think, um, you know, uh, what I was going to ask, in fact, what, from a psychological point of view, what is this whole thing of kind of giving a lot of information out and, and I don't know, giving of your entire, all your knowledge out in order to uh, in order to build trust? What, what's that all about, uh, Michael, in terms of the internet market? Well, you know, I'll tell you, that's one of the most common questions I get. How can you, how can you, how, why do you give all this stuff out? Why do you give all, and it, there's two answers. It, it's self-serving. Number one, I, I really do want to give great, valuable information. And, and number two, I know that the more you give, the more you get. It's just a universal law, and you have to believe in that. You know, you have to give till it hurts, but it will come back. It's a universal law. Um, give and you will get. It's as simple as that, and I absolutely believe in that. And you may not get back right away, but in, in time you will. Somehow, somewhere, you will get back. You and I are talking, and, and you have the potential. Your Shoulders of Giants program, 
program has the potential of putting me in front of a lot of people. And you know what? That would have never happened if if I said, I'm not giving any of my interviews out. I'm going to just only sell them. I'm going to hold them to myself. Um, it's, we're only talking today because I gave away a lot of free stuff. And another reason is people love free stuff. Um, and especially they, you know, a, a lot of people say a lot of free stuff isn't worth anything, but um, I know that the free stuff I give is worth uh, is worth a lot, and I know people who uh, who consume the free interviews that I give on my website know that to be true, and uh, that comes back. You know, a lot of people feel guilty. They you know they say to me, I'm, I'm going to buy something from you soon. I, I'm te- you know when I talk to them or they email, they go, man, I love your site, and I'm going to buy something from you soon. They almost feel guilty for taking all that free stuff. So it, it, it's that right of reciprocation which is a kind of a, a nasty trick, you know, like the um, the Hari Krishners, you know, when they would try and raise money and they would go up to them and give them a, give them a flower and people would feel guilty that, like, they have to donate some money. Mm-hmm. It kind of works like that. But um, two intentions, to, to, to build trust, uh, to be the only guy giving the most value out there on the Internet, that's good, that's good marketing for me. That's um, that's good buzz that gets people back to the site. Um, there's true value there. But I, I am in the business of selling and marketing products too. So for those people who want all the free stuff and maybe don't have the money or would never spend money online, they can have the free stuff because maybe down the road, down the line, I'll have them as a customer. And if I don't, I still have had the chance to impact them with one of my interviews in some way or they may tell someone about it. You just never know where you're your business is going to come from. Mm-hmm. So that that's mm-hmm. and Michael, another question for you. Would you would you suggest doing that then? Doing audio interviews with people as a kind of business in its own right, or do you think it's better as a sort of add on business? I mean can you create a business purely out of doing audio interviews? Yeah, absolutely. You can create a business. I believe you can create a business out of audio interviews. And 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 um, it's as simple as is finding a market, finding a subject that has a demand, and then finding experts within that subject, interviewing them, which is very easy to do. I mean. We're we're almost we're we've talked for about forty minutes now. Can you imagine? And we probably have uh, probably about. 35, 40 pages of written content. Can you imagine how long it would take you to sit down and write um, write a little ebook or a report, 40 pages? We've done it. You know, I'm talking with my mouth, not not writing with my hands. It's very easy to build content and to get valuable content using audio interviews. You're just simply talking. And, and I, I've got a book coming out called Talk Yourself Rich. You really can do that if you find the right market a hungry market, and if you provide good value, quality interviews, you could uh, give those interviews away for free, and then you could upsell a product. You could package those interviews and sell them digitally where you never have to ship, print, or mail anything. 
and a lot of my, almost all my products now are digital where I'm not shipping packaging um, any of my products. It is the, I think it is the best business in the world. And the margins are astronomical. When you can do an interview and sell an information product, an audio interview, for $59 or $97, um, and someone places an order and all you have to do is send an email to a link of where they can digest it and where you're truly adding value, I cannot even think of a, I cannot find a better business model than what I'm doing now. Yeah. So I would tell, I would, yeah, I would absolutely tell anyone to explore the possibility of creating information products by using audio interviews. And uh, just to kind of plug into that, Michael, and get a bit behind the scenes as to how you personally run your business. I mean, are you a guy that do you have offices and do you hire staff and, and do all that kind of stuff, or, or do you like working from home and, uh, and just, uh, I mean, you've, you've got a, a very good product in terms of its deliverability. It's an audio product, it's a digital product, and I'm, I'm guessing from, uh, from what I've read about you that you're... Uh, you're a lifestyle kind of guy too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do work from home. Um, I do have available to me if I need a quiet place to do an interview. I've got two young kids, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and sometimes when you're home with the kids and the wife, and you need quiet, no interruption, you need to get a place to uh, do that. So I do have availability, a resource to come to somewhere where I need quiet to do an interview. But my business, it's all it's all done from home. It's all virtual. It's all on. Line. Um, the internet is just a miracle. When when I need to deliver my product and it's audio information products, MP3 recordings, all you need is the internet and you need a place to host your content. Um, it's it's so inexpensive to to be able to distribute your information when it's digital. It's just it's incredible. Um, now, as far as my team, I I I do have a virtual team, and I will tell any of your listeners if you're doing audio interviews at the level that I'm doing and at the quantity I'm doing, there's no possible way you can do it all yourself. Now, I started doing it all myself years ago. I did all the editing. I did all the writing. I will admit, I didn't do the transcription. I never did the transcription. But I do have a virtual team of four, five, six people that I'm co- I'm constantly in contact with. I have a webmaster who's been with me for five or six years. My transcriptionist who does all my transcripts has been with me probably longer than that. I have a, almost a full-time assistant who helps me with... Um, Anything I need who's been with me for five or six years, I have someone who now does the writing of the um, descriptions and the headlines for the audio interviews. So I have it down to a system because I'm, I'm pumping out a lot of audio content and building value into other information products. And uh, um, but, but to start, all you need is one interview. And you don't have to have transcripts to be able to sell an audio interview. You can do an audio interview with somebody, and it can be totally raw. You can uh, you can mess up. You could have static on the line, and you could still sell that information. You know, I use an analogy. If you're dying of thirst, do you care how the information comes to you when you need to learn where the water is? 
It could be it could be scribbled on a napkin. It could be written in the sand. Um, you know, it doesn't matter as long as you as long as you get the information, so you know where to get the water. And if and, and that's real important when you decide what is the market. This is probably the most important thing. And I'm probably not a real good example because the the market I'm in is a very tiny market. People who want to learn marketing and information, uh, you know, information marketing. And, and advertising and stuff. There are markets with 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 uh, a lot more demand than what I than than the market that I'm in. So I would tell any of your students before you do your first interview, come up with a plan. But you need to decide what market am I going to be in? What market am I going to uh, create interviews? About because you, if you have a hungry hot market, your interviews can be terrible. You don't even have to edit them. If the demand is high enough, um, you know you can do very well w- without any of these other things that I'm talking about. And um, I heard a comment recently, Michael, that in ten years or so, uh, most information online, information uh, from the information marketers are putting out there. It's going to be free, and we're no longer going to need to pay for it. Do you think that's really going to be the case? And if so, what are people going to sell? Um, you know, there is a lot of free stuff out there. I, I must admit, I. But I don't think. I think that uh, everything can't be free. And there's, you know, sometimes free doesn't mean quality. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, I agree there are more people giving away stuff for free. Um, I may be a pretty good example of that. But there are just, you know, the, the minute you say there's nothing else to sell is the minute you say that no one else has any problems. And when we're selling information products, we're really selling a shortcut to people's problems, whether it's a shortcut um, on time to educate yourself about a new industry or, or a new job or, um, you know, how to play an MP3 on your iPod. You know, selling information is you're selling, you're selling solutions to people's problems. So there are always going to be problems out there for people, and um, it's a big world out there. And so I think there's always going to be room for information products that you can sell, and you can sell for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And you've interviewed some fascinating people, Michael, from across the world, brilliant business people, great marketers, PR experts. You must have picked up personally some incredible knowledge. What who of all the people you've spoken to has uh, has really inspired you the most? Can you think of any any particular people? Oh boy, you know, it's like when I interview them. You know, actually, when I'm doing the interviews with them for the first time, I'm pretty I'm pretty much concentrating hard on the interviewing, on the interview, and asking the right questions, probably as you are right now, Michael. And I really like after I do the interview, I really like to relax and re-listen to it, so I can listen as a listener and soak it up. But man, I, I just love learning from all everyone. There's always someone out there that you can learn from if you're willing to listen and. 
and that's what makes this business such a joy. I mean, I'm interviewing people on stuff that is interesting to me um, for the most part. So I'm so as I build my business and do these interviews, I'm never really wasting any time. I'm able to learn from, from experts who would charge thousands of dollars to spend an hour with you on the phone. But I will have to say there are a couple interviews that are are my favorites. Um, one is a interview with a guy named Jim Camp. And Jim Camp is a negotiating expert. And it's probably one of the most listened to interviews on my website. There's a lot of stuff out there on the internet about win-win negotiation. This guy takes a totally different approach and has studied some of the true masters back in history from, uh, from, um, uh, battle heroes and just has a, a huge depth of knowledge about personal uh, negotiation. So there's a, there is an interview. If you go to hardtofindseminars.com, it's called the Jim Camp Interview, or it's also titled Negotiating Skills for Beginners. And I've listened to this interview probably ten times. And then there's another interview. I, mean, I could probably get going on and on. There's, a, there's an interview with a guy named Glenn Turner. And Glenn Turner, uh, back in the days before Tony Robbins was around, he was like the Tony Robbins before Tony Robbins. And he was uh, born from an unwed mother. He was born with a hair lip. And he uh, didn't have much education at all and had a real tough upbringing and started this huge multi-level marketing company called Coscott. And he wrote this book called Con Man or Saint. And he built this huge multi-level marketing organization and, but this guy was one of the most dynamic speakers I had ever heard. I mean, the passion that comes through his voice when he speaks is like nothing else I've ever heard. And he really loved people and, and tried to build people up. And, you know, he was really made fun of as a kid. And so he had a real compassion for people. And he had, I, I actually interviewed him probably about two years ago, but I was able to take one of his most famous speeches. It was a about a 29-minute speech. Um, it was called the Red Suit Speech. And this one speech he had done over and over again when he was building his uh, multi-level marketing company. It was called Dare to Be Great. Another one he spun off into was called Dare to Be Great. But this one speech earned in today's money probably a billion dollars just huge money and, and if you hear it and hear him hear him orate this speech it's just incredible and that's for free on my site it's called take back your mind and he, he talks a lot about you know how people are afraid they're afraid of what their friends will think and and if you had a if you had a wife that uh, you know had a backbone instead of a wishbone you could do better he really tapped in to people's emotions like you wouldn't believe Leave. It's just, and, and I love listening to that one over and over again. There's so many. I mean, I have probably about 200 hours on the site um, at the main page of hardtofindseminars.com. There's 157 interviews right there that you can dive into, and many of them, every time you listen to it, you can learn something new. Um, so there, there's just a wealth of uh, information there at the site in these interviews. But Glenn Turner and the, uh, and the Jim Camp on negotiating, those are two fantastic interviews that I think anyone would love. And what about for you personally, Michael, what have, what have been the kind of big marketing 
lessons that you've picked up as you've been talking to people? What, what's been the kind of biggest thing that you've learned and, and been able to apply to your own business about the whole area of marketing and, and PR? Okay, whole area of marketing and PR, the biggest thing I've learned is leverage. And I talked about when I had studied all the, se- the sales grade. I, I could sell door-to-door. Uh, when I was selling pens by phone, you know, I was on the phone for maybe 10 hours, maybe seven, eight hours a day selling uh, pens by phone, call, you know, doing telemarketing. Um, I could do it, but I was limited by my time and by my energy. And the biggest thing I've learned through this whole website is you need the combination of spoken word audio and the audio interview format and the ability to deliver that audio and distribute it through the Internet is just such a massive form of leverage. Right now, you and I, are we're talking one-on-one. Let's, let's say that this is me selling. It's a sales call. And it, it is a sales call. I'm selling, I'm selling those listeners, the entrepreneurs around the world, I'm selling them on me. And I'm selling you out there listening, I'm selling you on the idea to give me a chance. Go to my site. That is what I'm selling you. I want to sell you that it's going to be worthwhile to go onto your computer or your cell phone and to type in www.hardtofindseminars.com and to give me a chance. Take a look at what I've put together. So I'm selling one-on-one, right? But everything I've learned, once this interview is, if we do some editing, and let's say when, you, when you're doing your marketing of your uh, standing on the shoulders of giants, and you take this interview and you distribute it out to, let's say you project you have 72,000 people in the next 18 months, and you can take that interview, then I'm selling, then I'm selling to potentially 72,000 people, right? And I don't know how you're going to do your marketing, but you may have it up on the Internet to deliver it. So what you're doing with this this interview is, or with your series of interviews, is exactly what I've been doing, and it allows you to sell one on many. And as I look at my website here, 157 hours of audio interviews. Right now, we're talking one on one, but I could go into my control panel of my website, and I can see that there's probably 100 to 200 people right now from all over the world downloading, listening to my interviews, reading transcripts, uh, surfing my site. So right now, as we're talking one-on-one, I'm selling to at least 100, 150 people all over the world. So the biggest thing I learned is you need that leverage, and you, and you should take advantage of the Internet to distribute your, your selling information. So each one of my interviews is a sales message, a sales presentation, um, but being able to multiply that sales message by delivering it and distributing it through the Internet and through an audio interview is, is the biggest, biggest thing I've learned and has incredible power. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Michael, you've been incredibly generous with all your information and uh, uh, very honest too, which uh, which I really appreciate. Thank you very much indeed, Michael Senoff. Michael, no problem. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome.